Welcome to Which Game First, where we boldly explore the hilariously huge world of board games. In this special episode, in addition to giving away our first annual Which Game First awards, we are going to be previewing upcoming games that we're excited to see in 2019. Thanks for joining us. I'm your host, Celeste Angelis. Now let's meet the rest of our brave and intrepid panel. Hi, I'm Evan Bernstein, and I wake up every day and ask myself, which game first? Hi, I'm Ed Povolaitis, and as a reminder, any day spent gaming is a good day. Hi, I'm Joe Onfried, and welcome to our final recording of 2018. Hi, I'm Mike Grenier, and I'm made of consummate Vs. Okay, let's jump right in with our first annual Which Game First Awards, which we've nicknamed the Firsties. We rank the best of the games we reviewed this year. That puts 108 games in contention for these awards. And here is Evan to talk about our first category. Thanks, Celeste. The first category is called Best Archaeological Find. The versions we played had to be over 30 years old to be considered for this category. The nominees were... 221B Baker Street, Rich Uncle, Dune, Three on a Match, and Anti-Monopoly. But there can be only one winner of this category for Best Archaeological Find, and the winner is Dune. Yay, Dune! Great movie and a fun game. Yes, yeah, support the guild. <laughs> <laughs> Who controls the spice? Controls the universe. This game was so much fun because of the old-fashioned art. The I enjoyed the writing in this game. It was, and it still holds up as a great strategy game. It really does. Yeah, you can see where more modern games have sort of taken a lot of the components that went into making the Dune game and still utilize it for making the these these more recent games that we enjoy. And I think it was one of the, the early, truly asymmetrical games as well. Our next category is Best Icebreaker Game. This is a best casual game for friends at a party. And boy, we had a lot of games that we had fun playing from this category this year. Our final nominees were Deep Sea Adventure, Dixit, Happy Salmon, and Love Letter. Winner is Deep Sea Adventure. Glub, 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 glub. You know what I love about that? It's a game for icebreaking, and it's not set up as a game for icebreaking. It just naturally fits the role. It is a freestanding, awesome strategy game, I think. Good way to learn co-ops, too. And it's in a small box. Easy to carry around to other people's parties. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was so surprised by the uniqueness of this game and its original feel. And I think the, the fun ramps up the first time we go glub glub. Yeah. <laughs> and it won't be the last time you go <laughs> glub, glub. No, it won't. <laughs> All right, guys. Next up is Best Art. Uh, this award goes out to the game that shows the most engaging or compelling use of art in a game. Uh, we narrowed the nominees down to a few really awesome games. We've got Azul, Ex Libris, Lanterns, Muse, and The Networks. And I am so happy to announce that the winner is... Muse! Not only was the art compelling, it was so important to the game that you cannot play the game without the art. I mean, if, if the art had failed in its job, the whole game would have failed. 
Our next award up is for Best Meeple Slash Game Component. This award goes to the game that uses a meeple or other game component that immediately brings you into the game. And our nominees were Sagrada, Nuclear War, Celestia, and Tower of Madness. And the winner is Celestia. I am not surprised. We couldn't stop spinning that little propeller. <laughs> this game was awesome. You start by building a ship. I mean, that's a be- <laughs> that, I loved that. We all love that. Building a ship that you actually put your meeples in and yeah. move around the board together. Very cute, very adorable spinning propeller. The whole game really surrounds the airship. Are you on the airship or not? And where is it? You probably could have done the game without it, but why would you do that? It's so cool. Uh, so much would have been lost without it. <laughs> the next category is the best shelfie game. This award goes to the game that you are most proud to have on your shelf due to its overall production value or sleekness of the game's box and component. Our nominees were Azul, Carson City, Gloomhaven, and Twilight Imperium. And the winner goes to Azul! I love the clickety-clack of these little tiles. I couldn't get enough of it. That box just drew me right in. So colorful, so attractive. Yeah, and and the gameplay wasn't just an excuse to use cool components. It was actually a good game. I liked that the components were so integral to the gameplay. They were physical tiles, and you were putting tiles on a wall. So you were literally decorating with the art that you were going to use for your wall. And the, uh, the box cover itself, it's, it's uh, hard to not look at this box from uh, across the room. It's like, whoa, what is that colorful box over yeah, there? Yeah, it really catches your eye. Our next category is the best educational game with regard to science or history. Our nominees are Automobile, Evolution, Climate, Suburbia, and Anti-Monopoly. And our winner is Evolution, Climate. So I love this game because it gave me that feeling of evolving these creatures without too many components or confusing game actions that you had to do. Yeah, it's really cool. I mean, I loved how the creature is like, oh, we're just eating from the little pond. Ooh, what's that carnivore over there? Maybe I should have to defend it. The climate would change suddenly in the game, of course, but I really did help me immerse myself in the idea that millions of years were going by. And it's made by a scientist, right? Several scientists, and it really, it's a seamless way to to learn about evolution and get a feel for what it really meant and why creatures did it, while still being beautiful and engaging, and I totally wanted to win. (laughs) You did. You played to win, (laughs) Celeste. So the next category is Best Strategy Game. This award goes to the game that keeps you up late at night wondering what strategy you'll try next time. And our nominees were Power Grid, Terraforming Mars, and Twilight Imperium. And the winner goes to Twilight Imperium. I shall dominate the universe, or at least this galaxy, right? The University of Jolnar. <laughs> Glorious war. I shall conquer a whole galaxy. Yeah. So we had to play this game in two parts when we played it. 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Two days. Yeah. yeah two full sessions, and uh, it really, literally, did keep me up at night thinking about what I was going to do when we played again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It has a lot of great mechanisms in the game too. When I went to Dragon Con to the gaming uh, part of the convention, that was the game that was being played at the most tables by far. Was Twilight Imperium. They had to have had six or eight of those games going on at once. So. Wow. It was so compelling, and it got me to read multiple strategy guides. So mm-hmm. if it can interest me in reading multiple strategy guides. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. <laughs> that yep. is a big deal, yeah. Okay, up next is the best card game. This award goes to the game that is just about the cards, no board needed. And the nominees in this category are Android Netrunner, Dominion, Teach you and San Juan. And our winner is Android Netrunner. Intruder alert. I love getting the chance to build a deck from scratch and coming up with an interesting strategy. And this game gives you so much opportunity to do that. I love playing the corporations in these games because you really are just playing a shell game. Yes, I have these, all these servers. They're well protected. You don't want to go here. Yeah. <laughs> our corporation is secure. See, me, I'd rather be on the attack. <laughs> but, but either way, this game is an awesome experience on either side of the fence. It was really enjoyable picking a particular character or corporation to play and building around that. Plus, I still maintain best tutorial ever. Our next category is the best new game. This is a game that was published within the last 24 months. But we do exclude games that are reprints or new editions of older games. And the nominees for best new game are... British vs. Pirates. Century Spice Road. Gloomhaven. And Mountain of Madness. And the winner of this category is... Gloomhaven. This is a diesel box. <laughs> it has so much stuff in it, and I can't wait to unwrap all of it. Yes, and you can only unwrap it incrementally because it is a legacy game, which means you don't open it until you get to that section of the game. And the components actually change the game as you go, depending on what choices you make. Yeah, and some of them may never even open because of the choices you make. Don't try to be a hero and move the box all by yourself. <laughs> and lift at the knees. All right, folks, we've come up to our final category, which we call Firsty Worsty. This award goes to the game that simply has no good reason to keep playing with the best move being to bury it deep in the ground. <laughs> yeah. There were several of these, but we limited the nominations to the following. Battle of the Sexes, Midlife Crisis, Pickles to Penguins, Eddie Cantor's Tell It to the Judge, and Uncle Wiggly. All fine nominations, but there can be only one winner, and the winner is Battle of the Sexes. Uh, wow. <laughs> of all the nearly unplayable games we played this year, this one definitely took the cake. We, yeah. we yeah. played some um, memorable games. 
I guess. Oh, yeah. we laughed oh. a lot. <laughs> we laughed a lot. Although I have to say, of all the games we played that were truly terrible, this one we laughed the least because it does genuinely have the least redeeming qualities of all of them. It has the highest groan factor, though. That's for it, sure. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't funny. I mean, no. it just flat out failed <laughs> and funny. A poor attempt at humor, outdated. The gameplay itself was ridiculous, jumping down the board and getting all the way back and being reset all the time. Did you have to cross the board three times? Twice. Twice. It felt like five, though. Yes. Yeah. And it still keep getting published somehow. Wow. <laughs> God. You'd think with uh, all the movements out there these days, a game like this would fall by the wayside, but somehow somebody still thinks it's funny out there. If it was clever when it was originally written, it could have withstood time and everything else, but it just wasn't clever. It was clearly one of those games that was made by a big company produced with, you know, just sort of a, an elevator pitch idea and not much else. And there you have it, fellow game explorers, our first annual Firsties Awards. Next up, we're going to talk about games we are really excited to see coming in 2019. Evan, you've got a pick for us. Tell us about it. All right. The name of the game is called Cloud Spire. It is anticipated for release June 2019. It was designed by Josh Carlson and Adam Carlson. The producers are Chip Theory Games, number of players one to four. Here's a little description of it. There's solo and cooperative play that are driven by a scenario book that chronicles the story of the game from the perspective of each individual faction. Ooh, good, another factions game. I love those. Players control one of four unique factions in a battle to destroy and steal source energy from their opponents. Send and defend against armies and minions, build towers to protect your base, and explore with your heroes in search of resources and powerful relics to turn the tide of battle. It looks great. The components look wonderful. They're using hex maps. Thank you very much. I'm yeah. always a fan of hexagons in, our, in my maps. I heard in your description a lot about factions and battles, but where is this taking place? What is Cloudspire? Ah, Cloudspire, if only I knew. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, is it like a space game or is it taking place in space up on clouds? It is. It's 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 in the air in a sense. It takes place in the floating realm of Ankar. Yes, and it tells the story of a war to acquire the powerful and rare energy known only as the Source. Ah. A little mysterious there as well, aka mm -hmm. the MacGuffin. Yeah, <laughs> it, it sounds like unobtainium to me. I don't know. Unobtainium. <laughs> yeah. I love that. The Tesseract wow. Cube. Yes. Spice. <laughs> Spice. <laughs> All right, very cool. That does sound cool. Hex map is exciting. How does the game look? The game looks great. They had a very successful Kickstarter campaign for it. They made 10 times what they were originally looking for in their goal. So we know that this is definitely definitely coming out. Um, and they are going to be shipping this to anywhere in the world, they said. Sounds exciting, Evan. It's coming out, as you said, June of 2019. Uh, and you can check it out at Kickstarter. Just type in Kickstarter and Cloudspire on Google and you'll get it. Mike, you've got a game for us. Tell us about it. Oh, I'm so excited. So this game is Trogdor, the game. Uh, the release date is going to be sometime in June 2019-ish. 
Um, it's it says the designer is Homestar Runner, which I, <laughs> 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 I don't know if they mean like the company that is Homestar Runner or if they're just making a joke. I couldn't really tell from the Kickstarter. Um, the producer is listed as Board Electrics, which also I'm kind of skeptical of whether that's their jokey title for other fake games that they've made, which are hilarious. You should look that up. Um, but anyway, it says number of players are one to five. Um, so you can play this game solo. I truly am concerned if Homestar Runner designed this game. I know. It would be quite a wreck. Does Homestar have the imagination to design something like yes, this? Yes, but it'll be <laughs> so confusing. You'll you'll be happy to know that I looked at the gameplay video of it and how to play. And I think that if Homestar did design it, he had some help because it looks like it plays pretty easily. He did. He did have help. He had help from a very good designer, James Ernest. <laughs> Just in case you're listening and you're wondering who the heck we're talking about as far as Homestar Runner, we're going to show our age here, but back Uh in the early days of the internets, there (laughs) there was a very funny online cartoon called Homestar Runner. Um, and a large character within the Homestar Runner universe was Strong Bad. And, Thanks, Strong Bad. And he had a series of cartoons where he answered people's emails. Yeah. And I recommend each and every one of those cartoons. Do you guys want to hear about the game? Yeah, no, not yet. <laughs> oh, not yet. And then within those cartoons was a smaller character named Trogdor. The Burninator. <laughs> and I do recommend you go down that rabbit hole. Continue, Mike. All right. So <laughs> that, he is a very beloved character from an episode where they drew a picture of a dragon with one beefy arm and consummate Vs. Uh, they teach you how to draw a dragon. <laughs> he made drawing fun. <laughs> so as I mentioned, this is a cooperative game, and your goal is to burninate the peasants, burninate the countryside, and burninate all the thatch roof cottages. Thatch roof cottages! Um, <laughs> you work together to guide Trogdor on the board, and there's a couple of, of like knights and peasants and stuff on the board that are kind of obstacles that move with an AI. The board is a layout of, I think, six by six tiles, and as you burninate them, you flip them over to a burnt side. So Love one it. side will have a nice lush forest, you flip it over, the other side is burninated. Smoking ruin. <laughs> Yeah, flipping tiles is getting popular. So this this game was, I think it was only looking for a few thousand dollars, maybe 10 grand, but it has $1,421,000 of backing with 23,338 backers. Wow. Yeah, this game went nuts. Uh, you can, it just goes to show you the, uh, the staying power that this character, who was only featured once on the show. Yes, yeah. amazing. <laughs> Oh, the, the meeples inside are really cool, too. There's like a, a wooden meeple of a peasant. And if you burninate the peasant, they run around the board lighting other st- tiles on fire. Um, <laughs> but you put a wooden piece, a separate fire piece, like a helmet on the, on the meeple when he's on fire. So it's like a two-piece meeple. Oh, that is cool. You said that the gameplay looks legitimately entertaining. Yeah, it looks fun. I mean, it's it's a pretty simple game, but it's cooperative. So the AI is moving around. You're trying to avoid them. You're trying to help Trogdor to avoid them by hiding or running away from them. It's It looks like a lot of fun. That's Trogdor coming out tw- 2019. You can see it on Kickstarter still, right? Kickstarter. Yep, still there on Kickstarter. Okay. All right, uh, Ed, what have you got for us? All right. Uh, the game I'm excited about that's coming out soon is U-Boot. The board game. So it's coming out uh, first quarter 2019, designed by Bartosz Pluta and Artur Salawaski. 
produced by Phalanx, number of players one to four. You boat the board game, it's a fully cooperative, real-time tabletop game of World War II submarine warfare. Ooh. Oh, you got me, you got me, yes. I'm there. I'm there. So the, the players take the roles of the captain, the first officer, the navigator, and the chief engineer on board a Type 7C U-boat. The game is driven by a companion app allowing for unprecedented level of realism, as well as a challenging enemy AI which will push the limits of your skills. Yeah, what does that mean? Is that like a computer app that is a companion to the the board game? Well, you download an app on your phone. And yeah, you, you download an app on the phone and then you oh, play that. Cool. Oh. Is that for like secret information or something like that? Uh, well, help drive the game at the activities that happen. It basically, since it's a real time game, you're going to be interacting with the things that are happening there. Oh, real time! Jeez. That's wild. That is so cool. Holy cow! I love it. Oh, this is clever. Oh, snap! And, and you should see the, pi- the pictures here. On the, I see it on the Kickstarter page. They have a 3D U-boat with different rooms, and you move your minis into different rooms in order to be able to do different things. We are suckers for those kind of minis. Oh, that's gonna be fun. Yeah. yeah. Oh boy. Uh, it's, it's a really cool looking board. It has like a map. It has a compass uh, to help plot and course, I guess. I'm not sure. I really want to see the game in, in person. Is this still running its Kickstarter right now, Ed? Oh, no. The Kickstarter ended a while ago. Um, it's actually going to be shipping soon. It should be coming out in January or February. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Both. We'll be playing it soon. Yeah. 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 It looks fantastic. I love the layout. The 3D U-Boat is huge. It looks really cool. Yeah, it does. It sold me on it. I'm looking forward to getting a copy soon. So that's U-Boot coming out first quarter of 2019. You can still see it on Kickstarter. Kickstarter, U-Boot, U-B-O-O-T. Thanks, Ed. Joe, what exciting game do you have for us? I have War Room. Its pre-order period ended on December 31st. It's designed by Larry Harris Jr., who designed the original Axis and Allies game. In fact, every version of Axis and Allies that ever uh, that ever came in, there are quite a few of them, were all designed by Larry Harris. Uh, the producer of War Room is Nightingale Games and serves two to six players. There are some intriguing new concepts here, including the addition of China and Italy as potential players uh, and the replacement of uh, well, basically, for lack of a better word, the cash, referred to as uh, IPC for Industrial Production Certificates, you know, to buy things, <laughs> uh, has been replaced with a board where you keep track of three kinds of resources. You have to keep track of your oil, your iron, and OSR, which stands for, you know, other special resources. Yeah, I like Instead of the static turn order of the original Axis and Allies, where you're basically guaranteed that, you know, Russia and America, both on the side of the Allies, will have back-to-back turns, you bid for turn order with oil. Yes. Much better. Much better. Yeah. The winner of the bid gets to choose when they go in the turn order, which might not necessarily mean going first. And you have to be careful because in the end, all bids must be paid, whether you like the final results of the Ooh. bidding or not. So this board looks gorgeous and it's so engaging. It's so colorful. Obviously, is a ton to track here. And they looks like they've got boards that track them very nicely. They do. I do like the polar projection for showing the whole world. It's kind of a neat way of showing the game. The other thing that's kind of cool, I think, is the way they do orders. You actually actually have like an order book where you write down your orders. Like, I got the pieces in this square, it's going to move to this square, and it's all hidden. So you do simultaneous movement. Oh, man. That could be a big mess for you if you screw that up. 
<laughs> but it also helped speed up the game, though, I think, because now everybody's doing the tournament at the same time in some places. And it makes oh. sense, right? Because you wouldn't necessarily know what the other person is doing. Of course not. Yeah. Oh, you're guaranteed that you're going to have some big messes. <laughs> oh, yeah. How, how does the turn order, like, it sounds like you said it was simultaneous movement, but also there's a turn order. How does that work? Well, I think the, the battles are resolved uh, in initiative order. Oh. Yeah. That, that could make a big difference. That's yeah. interesting. Look, you're simulating an entire world war and one with a, with true historical stuff to reference. So they do try to make it as accurate in a lot of ways as possible as far as like resources, what was out there, what's available. So there is a lot to keep track of personally. And I oh, yeah. love the little I love the little sections they're giving you to keep track of everything. There seems to be a box with different uh, spots to put different components. So little boxes within the big box. There's a pegboard that you can move your pieces up and down to keep track of things. Um, you have your little notebook. And then you have another section where you keep your cards held upright in front of you. It really looks nicely organized. And for me, that would be a big factor of whether or not the game was enjoyable. In the uh, original Axis and Allies game, it has a, a kind of a way of working itself out very similar to the way history unfolded. And I wonder if this game will also have something like that going on. Exciting, Joe. Thank you very much. That's War Room coming out any day now, right? Yes, it is. First quarter of 2019. The game I'm excited to see coming in 2019 is Tainted Grail, The Fall of Avalon. The premise of the game is that you live in Avalon. Arthur came 600 years ago and settled it with his knights. He destroyed the original inhabitants of the world and dispatched the magic that was here called the weirdness. That is W-Y-R-D-N-E-S-S. It's now hundreds of years later and the weirdness is returning and the red death is coming back and things are looking bad. The champions of the world were sent to Camelot, a faraway land to try and get help and they never returned. The people that are left are regular folks. Some of them are the players that are now unlikely heroes that have to try and discover what is going wrong. One thing that really caught my eye with this game was the amazing amount of money it raised during its Kickstarter. One of the biggest Kickstarters ever. It raised over $6 million with over 40,000 backers. Whoa. That is a huge number. Yeah. Uh, it has a big pedigree. The designers of this game did design some other popular games, so it's not a completely new group of people or anything like that, but it's still super impressive. It's a broad-based campaign that you run over a series of adventures, and they say each adventure can be done in a night. It has 1,000 unique pieces of art. The minis look beautiful. Oh my gosh, so detailed. Yeah, they're so detailed. They've also got a monster pack of minis that are coming. You could have backed that and gotten it with your Kickstarter as well. One of their big things that they're billing is over 100,000 words of adventure. Evan and Joe and I know exactly what 100,000 words of adventure looks like um, for when we were adventure writers. For our team, which was seven people, it took us, a, that's about six months of writing for us, right guys? Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is a significant amount of writing. One of the most interesting things that I saw f with it was that you can affect the world by actually changing the terrain and cha therefore changing the cards that are, they are on. 
Yeah, the components of the game look awesome. I mean, look at the book they have in the pictures. It's awesome. It's huge. And that brings us to the end of our first special episode. We've had a really great time this year building the podcast, and we want to say thanks to everyone who's listening. We look forward to hearing about all the adventuring you've done in 2018 and what you plan to do in 2019. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. We are at Which Game First. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, everyone. Thank you so much. 